morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to the generous underwriters of Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Wednesday, June 21st, we are studying Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 to 24. In today's text, John sees another angel come down from heaven, and he hears this angel announce with a mighty voice that Babylon the Great is fallen. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Mark Bars. Pastor Bars serves at Crown of Life Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas. Pastor Bars, welcome back to Good Sharp morning, Iron. Pastor Apple. Great to be with you again. It's been a little while. Some other things have been going on for me, but uh, thank you for inviting me back. Yeah, glad to have you, especially for a book like Revelation. So what a way to jump back in. Talk to us a little bit about the book of Revelation. How do we need to approach it as Christians so that it is a helpful and useful book to us? Well, it's an exciting book, and it's one that I think many of us as pastors, and I don't, I never know who, who is listening now or who is listening later on besides this, this morning, but it, it intrigues us. And evangelical Christianity, especially certain parts of it in the last, oh goodness, probably about the time of my ministry, it's been a huge part of what has been presented with a, a series of books called the Left Behind books and the made into a movie. And the late great planet Earth was, was out in the early 70s, I believe. So, so there's lots of interest and there's lots of speculation and uh, I have to, I'm always, I'm always glad to remember what my pastor told me when, when I was probably in my middle school years, I'm sure, maybe my high school years as well, and kind of when I was your pastor, by the way, and, and he said, he said, well, we win. We win because Christ wins, and just it keeps it so simple and so focused. It's so easy to say, well, what about this? And what about this? And, and, and even in a correct interpretation, maybe you get bogged down in, in this number or that number, or this, this number of horns and this beast or that beast or whatever it is. But the church, the church was suffering persecution. I, I just happened to read after Easter, had been sitting on my shelf for, for years, uh, a Paul Meyer book, and I don't know how many of our listeners have have read his his books about the the early church and and Christmas and Easter and all of those, but then also his his novels. Probably the most popular one is the Skeleton in God's Closet. But this one is the Flames of Rome, and and boy, I learned a lot about Rome. I hadn't read the book for at least thirty years. I I relearned a lot about Rome, but what did the church do and and there, it, it does suggest some things for chapter 18, I believe, because of, because of the, the fire and the flames and, and Babylon and Rome. So, so, uh, so, much, so much to wonder about, so much to uh, be curious about, which is nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with that at all. But, 
But I would say, let's remember who wins. Uh, Christ is victorious. He, he is victorious by his cross where he reigns and when by his resurrection, by his ascension to the Father's right hand. And because he wins his church under suffering of every age, but certainly late in the first century, persecuted by the Roman Empire, is going to is going to live and and be kept in the faith by her Lord. So I suppose with today's chapter, then the the reverse part of that, or the the flip side to that coin, is that not only that we win, but the enemies of God lose. Indeed. And so that's I think what we're going to see today. We we saw we've seen it a little bit elsewhere in the Book of Revelation, but it comes into pretty clear focus today. We've got the the fall of Babylon is the title that the ESV gives to this chapter. What kind of context within the Book of Revelation should we know to approach chapter eighteen? Well, we so we have a series of of visions, and one after another, we're, we're learning something about what it means for Christ to be victorious and for his church, for his church to, be kept in the, to be kept in the faith, even though it looks as though uh, from the outside, it, it, it's a worst-case scenario. There, there, isn't, there isn't much reason for hope. So this is, this is a final vision that John sees, and it's a vision as, as it can be described in different ways of, of how how the church is how the church is facing its struggle how the church is how the church is going to uh, face face the uh, uh, the foes against it now I will point this out I suspect a number of our, our listeners have a Lutheran study Bible and and it does it does use the first scene of the end times and so on so on end times and it, it puts this as the fifth scene of the end times getting close getting close to the seven different scenes and, and and i would even caution though that that even even saying it's focusing on the end times is perhaps uh perhaps taking a a, a bit of a jump to say it's focusing on the every part of scripture is always written within a context so it's written to encourage and to equip the church for what it is facing it is it is god's living word for that for that time in the church. So, so if, if we say, well, it's 2023, and now we actually understand this, well, I'd, I'd, I'd caution that and say the, the Christians who first heard this, uh, they, they were greatly encouraged to know that all that was so strongly opposed to them, to the faith, to the church, to their Lord, was, was defeated, was, was ultimately was going down in flames. Uh, literally into the lake of fire, uh, down down into flames. Right. So so there's there's I think a, a helpful way to to look at this. It is later in the book, of course. You've covered lots of chapters, and many of the listeners have have listened, I'm sure, for for several weeks now to to learn more about this. So this is this is later, and and it's it's sort of a bridge too because it will, even though there have been hymns of praise and. In some previous chapters, some of those great sections, some of those parts that we sing in worship at times, uh, this will lead to a rejoicing for the church because of what, because of what, uh, as you said before, it's it's not just that Christ is triumphant; enemies are defeated. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we see here in the fall of Babylon. So this is Revelation chapter eighteen. Here is the text. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, 
Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares, who gained wealth from her, will stand far off, in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels, and with pearls. For in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea, stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon the great city be thrown down with violence, and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute, payer, of flute players and trumpeters, will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints, and of all who have been slain on earth. That's our text for today. That's Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 to 24. And Pastor Bars, the chapter begins with John seeing another angel coming down from heaven. Any thoughts on the, the angel who first speaks with a mighty voice before we talk about what he says? Well, that would be fun because this is this is something that would tie this chapter to other chapters of of the revelation of the apocalypse, this vision, this vision that John is given. Uh, the the mighty angel 
is another angel, but it's, uh, he has great authority and his earth was made bright with his glory. He called out with a mighty voice. There are a series of angels and, and one, of, one of my sources is actually my former professor at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis back in the, back in the 1980s, late 1970s, 1980s, uh, Louis Brighton. So he, he does have a wonderful, helpful section on, on these different angels and which angel is it and, and what, what are these angels doing? So, so what he does is he helps us by saying there are really uh, five times or five angels that appear and in some different ways, but, but some, some similarities. And these are, I'm not sure who listens and where they listen and if they write notes or anything, but I'll, I'm going to give the references. They're in chapter 5, verse 2, chapter 10, verse 1, chapter 18, verse 1, which we just read, and 1821, and then 1917. And uh, sometimes another angel or a particular angel, something about their appearance, it might be that uh, they, they are described in such a way, uh, clothed with a cloud or a face like the sun, so their appearance marks them as something, something distinctive. And then also it's the way they, they speak with this one. Uh, he has great authority and he called out with a mighty voice. But really what, what connects them and why this is so helpful to see that Revelation uh, continues to tell the same story, echoes the same story, just with different scenes and with, with different, uh, different characters at times. It's because of the roles that they play, the common roles that they have. So uh, the, first, the first of the angels in chapter 5, he introduces the victorious lamb to the, to the heavenly host and the, <clears throat> excuse me, and the choir. Uh, the second angel, a mighty angel in 10 verse 1, he commands John to proclaim the message of Christ to all people. The third angel, the, this, this one here in 18.1 that begins this chapter, announces the judgment of God on Babylon. Babylon, the, the harlot, the whore, different versions would, would use different language there. The fourth angel near the end of this chapter it use, acts out, and we'll come to that a little bit later on, I'm sure, this morning, but acts out the fall by, by casting down this great stone, this, this boulder. And the last angel in 1917 uh, gives a command, gives a command for the birds of prey to come to the banquet. Now, not, not the guests that we would invite to a banquet, but, but to feed on the fallen enemies of, of God's people. So the angels are, are really all about helping the church then and now, but the church that needed this under persecution and struggling to, uh, to know that the church's mission on earth was to proclaim the gospel. It was uh, to announce the, the final judgment, to, to have confidence, to have confidence in that, uh, that these angels would, would act it out, that, that millstone, that boulder, and, and the banquet with the birds of prey at the, at the very end. And, and it begins, I'll, I'll go back to that first one in 5 verse 2, to invites the lamb to open the scroll with seven seals. And 
Christ then will will show that his church's mission, his church's mission is is to be faithful. Chapter two, verse ten, faithful to the point to the point of death. Is it the same angel, or is it another angel and another appearance? I, I I suppose we could we could, and different scholars would debate that as well. So we'll we'll let that go. But just that these angels are part of these scenes, and they have they have a similar role uh, to describe. Uh, what the church is to be doing in this time of struggle. Now, we've heard in Revelation chapter 14 that Babylon is fallen. There was a very brief announcement in chapter 14 that, that fallen, fallen is Babylon. But here we get the much greater discourse, a lament, perhaps you might think of this chapter, as, as a lament over Babylon, not, not in the sense of, of that, you know, the enemies of God were sad, and the, that God has done what He said He would. But there, it has that kind of form to it in terms of literature. So, talk to us about fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. So, first of all, Babylon we ha- we have it in two ways in Scripture. We have a city in Mesopotamia, and it's very much a part of the Old Testament stories, especially of the exile, that some go east to Babylon. They're carried, they're carried away. Uh, it, it very, very likely because of the, uh, because of the similarity of the words, um, hmm, this tower of Babel uh, that, that occurs back in Genesis as well. But in the exile, Babylon is seen as, is sort of personified rather than talking about whatever empire it is at the time and whatever king, but Babylon is is used as shorthand for, for God's people being torn away from their homeland, and and by the rivers of Babylon we wept. We we long to we long to be back home. Babylon will be judged. the The city uh, by the time of of the the apostle John, John the who receives these visions, is not the city it was. Uh, those several number of hundreds of years not hundreds of years before, but that's Babylon, a political city, a place hundreds of miles, hundreds of miles away. The Babylon in the book of Revelation is the other direction. It's, it's to the west uh, it, of, of Israel anyway. I mean, it's east and west of Israel is what I'm using geographical, geographically, but the church now has, has spread across the Mediterranean basin. Uh, that happens, that happens, uh, Pentecost was just what three weeks ago and three or four weeks ago. So you know how the church, how those people gather and scatter after Pentecost. So Babylon is Rome, and Peter helps us see that at the very end of his first letter, when when she who is in Babylon greets you, she the church, the bride of Christ, to the to the scattered churches uh, undergoing undergoing persecution. At the time of Peter, it would have been. It would have been the Neronian persecution. So, so there, there is now Babylon identified with, with Rome and the Roman Empire itself. And, and I think that's, that's helpful to see that this empire, and uh, might I add this? I have not been to Italy, to Rome. I don't know that I ever will have that opportunity. Uh, but, but I think if people hear Rome and if you ask them, what what's that label that goes with it? It's the eternal city, because in the Roman Empire they would say, "Well, the Caesars will go. Uh, there will 
there will be this and that will happen across our empire, but not Rome. No, Rome is the eternal city. It was a brazen thing to say. And, and when Rome is Babylon, and it is all that, that is a, a force against, against Christ's church, against his bride, it, it will not last. It will not be the eternal city. And, and you're going to get to that in a few more chapters, so I don't want to steal that thunder for the coming weeks. But there is a different eternal city, and, and for that, uh, the church longs and, and rejoices already in anticipation of, of that truth. So talk to us about some of the details that mark the fall of Babylon the Great, this empire that sets itself against Christ and his church. It, within that first maybe stanza, verses 2 and 3, and maybe even into 4 and following, what are some of the details that mark the fall of Babylon? So fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. We hear that, we hear that uh, here in, at the, uh, in verse 2. Uh, we have, we have another, another echo of that in verse 10. Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city of Babylon. In verse 16, once more, alas, alas, you great city. Verse 18, what city was like the great city? Verse 19, alas, alas, for the great city. Verse 21, so Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down. And hmm, it's it's there quite a few different ways. It's uh, It's described as... A great city. Uh, it is the city. It is the city of Rome once more. Uh, it is in the Book of Revelation. Babylon. Babylon is Rome, and so it it will fall. And and yet, the its past tense is past tense already. Fallen, fallen is not fallen. Fallen will be Babylon, but fallen is Babylon the Great, and and that helps us understand that. All of the book of Revelation is focused on the victory of Christ, and his victory is done, and it is final. Yes, he reigns at the Father's right hand, and we wait for him. The church waits for him to appear in glory at the end of time. But what he has done is, is already completed. It's, it's, not, it's not so much anticipated as it is, as is held in confidence because of because of what he has done. In verse early on there, in verse two, it's, it's this description of a dwelling place or a, an abode. Uh, it can be translated different, different ways, uh, but, it is, but it is a place that is, uh, is deserted. It's, uh, it's now not inhabited by, by people and by thriving commerce or even by kings and rulers but it's a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. It, uh, it's dystopic. I, I, don't, I don't even, I mean, maybe that's not a word that some of our listeners are, are, would use, but, but it, is, it is so far gone, and we will see how different of those who, who are connected to Babylon, to the city and to the empire, how they are mourning because their positions have been lost, because, because they, they cannot stand against, against the Christ who is stronger, who is stronger than all of them. The language of unclean is certainly uh, takes us all the way back to, to the words of Leviticus and the Mosaic law, 
and and yet it it also is a is a good reminder of of things that we read in the in the New Testament. Uh, I'm Jesus who declares all things to be clean, and the church learning uh, as it does in the story of Cornelius in, in the book of Acts that uh, what God has declared clean don't don't keep saying it's non-kosher because the church is to be is to be shared and lived in by Jew and Gentile alike. Uh, the nations, the kings, and the merchants are in verse 3, and there's, there's Babylon itself personified, and the woman that she is, she will call herself a queen in verse 7, but, but it's often in relation to nations, kings, and merchants, and they all respond to this great city and, and the destruction that happens to the uh, to the the lostness of the city, they they have been a part of it. They have participated in it. They are part of the empire that that holds itself to be. If it's the eternal city, uh, they are they are a part of that. They are they are experiencing it, or they share in the wealth that comes that comes from it. But the voice will say. In verse four, uh, the voice of the angel that we heard to begin the chapter, it, it's it's a word that that is once more uh, reflecting some of of what uh, what God would call His people always to come out of her, my people, lest you take part in your sins, lest you are seduced by her, and then would share in her plagues. It it is a a wonderful way to know and to, to hear the language of Scripture, particularly the, the New Testament language, that the church is as the called out ones, the ecclesia, those called out and called to. Uh, we heard during the Easter season, not that many weeks ago, uh, the great words of the Good Shepherd who calls his sheep. They calls his sheep, he knows them by name, and he calls them and they follow him. So through the angel, uh, Christ does call his church uh, to be separated from all that Babylon is and all that Babylon stands for. And that was true then. That was true in the time of persecution, late first century. It is true uh, in every age, in every century, that the church is, is the called out ones to be apart from that which would uh, pretend to be in some way, uh, an institution that that could be trusted or that that even could have could have value. I I think of of Psalm uh, uh, from the Psalm of Psalm 118 that we we do not put our trust in princes. Uh, we do not put our trust in those things that are that are all temporal, but the one who is uh, the eternal the eternal King. So it continues. Let's oh, uh, let's please, let's Pastor take Apple. a let's take a break right there. Yeah, that, that's a that's I think that's a good spot to take a break. We've seen how God calls His people out of Babylon. Now we're going to hear how He is going to pay her back. But we'll do that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor Mark Bars this morning. We'll be right back. Please stick around.
Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, June 21st. We're studying Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 to 24 with Pastor Mark Bars. He serves at Crown of Life Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas. Pastor Bars, prior to the break, we were looking in verses 4 and following. God calls his people to come out of Babylon, and he gives the reason so that they would not share in her plagues. And he, he begins then to talk about the way that he is going to judge her, it's striking in verse 5, God remembers her iniquities for all the promises that God gives to his own people to not remember their sins, to forget them. The fact that he remembers the iniquities of Babylon is, is very, it's a frightening thought, uh, but that's the, the judgment. Talk that talk to us about the judgment that's described there in verses 5 and Sure, that her, that her sins are heaped high as heaven. Uh, and and this is this is one of those ways that we we can see in the language and and always reading to discover to discover the gospel, not, not that it hides from us, but, but as you just said, that he will remember her iniquities, but what sweet good news that in Jeremiah chapter 31, particular, that wonderful chapter 31, verse 34, that he will remember their sins no more. What, what a great promise that focuses on, on what Christ has done for us. So she will be paid back, uh, paid back double. And I had to think of Isaiah chapter 40, once more, this, this wonderful gospel verse in the Old Testament that m- double for sins, meaning mean the mercy of God, the mercy, the grace of God are, are beyond our sins, and yet in a negative way, she will be judged, and in the cup she mixed, and, and cup is a language that's, that's in Scripture, it's, it's as much as, as Jesus saying in the garden, praying in the garden, may the cup be removed from me. The cup is, is often a, a cup of, of, of wrath, of suffering itself. And it very clearly was for Christ to suffer in our place on the cross. But she mixed her own cup and she's going to have to drink it. She, she Babylon, the empire, used this to entice others and now She'll have to drink her own poison. It does take me back a little bit uh, to, to the interesting way that, that God deals with the golden calf and, and has them grind it up and then drink it and yeah. then eliminate it. That's going to have to happen there. Yeah. And so, so here she is. Here Babylon is. And then she, and then. Um, she glorified, this is verse 7, she glorified herself and lived in luxury, but now all of that is turned upside down. It is taken, it is taken away. She says, I sit as a queen. We, we heard just in verse 3, and we'll hear them again, about the kings of the earth. She is the queen, there is the king, and she is, she is a, 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 a promiscuous queen. She has, she has multiple, multiple lovers. But but she is so uh, brazen to say, 
that I am no widow in mourning I shall never see. She, she, will, she will continue living. No, she won't. No, she, she will. She will be punished and she will suffer. And then verse 8, her plagues will come in a single day. Now that's, that's the, the first time we have this, this phrase about a single day. It can be, it can be translated a little dif differently, but it's, it, it actually is the word hour, which can be, can be read as uh, can be read as day. At least at some time, it uses the word hour, a, a single hour. I'm sorry, that's a little bit later. I, I jump, I jump, I didn't jump ahead in verse 10. And it really means this, though. This judgment happens so quickly, uh, so suddenly, in in a in a sudden mo moment that it it's unavoidable. And that uh, that is part of what they are mourning. That the kings are mourning and the merchants are mourning that. It's gone. All we're seeing is is the smoke of the fire of this of this ruined city, and and it it couldn't uh, it couldn't be stopped. It it was uh, it was so so dramatic and so sudden. I I I I wouldn't have known what it would have been like to. It's not that far back in our in our world's history uh, to be those to be those uh, civilians in Germany. Uh, and and their and their their town their city their city is in in ruins. Um, I've been to Germany on a couple of occasions, and it's been rebuilt for the most part. But but that's not an option here, and that's and that's not going to happen. So then we have beginning. We have the kings, and we have the merchants, and then we have then we have it seems kind of odd the uh, the seafarers who are all connected to this enterprise to this to this great empire to this empire that thinks that it is that it is god it has caesars who who are godlike uh, and actually they they're declared divine when they die but even in their lives they're they're considered to be to be gods so each of them in turn uh, mourns and sees they are they are helpless to uh, to intercede, to change any of, of what is going to happen, what does happen to Babylon, and it's their fate as well, because, because they are intertwined in, in all of this. So they stand afar off, it says in verse 10. They, they, they might think that they can distance themselves from it, but no, it's, it's, going, to, it's going to take them down too. They cry out, alas, you mighty city, you great Babylon, uh, a single hour in that brief moment, it has happened. The merchants weep. Um, there's, there's a connection here to, uh, to language from, uh, from Jeremiah, particularly uh, to uh, the fall of the city of Tyre. Uh, we, we know that a little bit in the Gospels. It's Tyre, Sidon, to the north of Israel. It's, it's one of those interesting stories that this might be as far, other than the trip to Egypt when he was a little boy, it's as far as he goes away from the central territory. But that was a, that was a seafaring city. That was, a, that was a, a great port, and, and it will be judged. That's Old Testament language. And now uh, merchants who tied their, their fortunes, their uh, their their full enterprise to this and and that under the Holy Spirit's inspiration uh, to make this not just an abstract 
conversation or our abstract presentation, yeah. we get yeah. this all these things listed from from the uh, from the precious metals to uh, to pearls and fabrics to uh, building items from from wood to iron and marble and uh, myrrh and frankincense weaves itself in here. The, the, the goods for, uh, for uh, food from flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses, chariots for warfare, and slaves, that is, human souls. Mm. Uh, the, the language here is really interesting uh, that, that this is, uh, I'll just suggest this. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that this is this is his exact meaning, but, but the enslavement by the merchants it was. It is suggested that there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. That's that's mind-boggling. Wow. But but that this wow. language is used because of the enslavement, the spiritual enslavement that that the world would do, and that and that the powers of the world would do. They they would they would want to control us. They would want to make us make us their own. We use Lutheran language at, at times, and it, it's very helpful, and I think it's, it's, it's accurate to talk about uh, being citizens of two kingdoms, and, and uh, in, in the one that wherever we live, not just in the United States, I mean, this is true around the world, you could say, what, what might the government, that, that earthly power, and I'm a citizen of that left-hand kingdom, but, but what might it want to be doing to to enslave us even more that the Roman Empire uh, literally enslaved people, but it but it was spiritual enslavement as well. And they are human yeah. souls. Yeah, that that list of yes, that list of of wares. It's almost like you're reading a shipping manifest there, and it is right. it's quite striking. And it does seem that that the last the last thing mentioned slaves that is human souls does. Like oh okay this is what you would always have on a ship and but then that last one I think reveals the the very evil nature of what's mm -hmm. going on and and I think I think maybe both things are going on that there's you know this is literally the type of trading that would have happened at the day and that's but there's also a spiritual reality to this as well and those those often go together I mean we we talked a little bit about that yesterday with the fact that Babylon is called the great prostitute the great harlot that you know, in the Old Testament, adultery and idolatry often go together. Mm, yes. So that when you're talking about adultery, you're talking about the worship of false gods. But there is real physical idolatry that often goes along with it. So the the enslavement of our souls spiritually leads to all kinds of wickedness. And I mean, I think so. I think both things can be said as you think about that that list of wares that's going uh, being traded right there. Again, ending with the matter of human slavery. And and Pastor Apple, does does so, this also come to you? come to your mind as well that that the list is here uh, and and it and so it's one of those that did we leave anything out it's it's uh it, it's it's like luther talking about about what our daily bread is and and he goes on and on and on and on and right. says and and anything else well i think you covered it all but yeah. but the the treasures <laughs> and the false treasures i think of jesus in the sermon on the mount um, saying all these things that you gather, uh, moth and rust will destroy and thieves will break in and steal them. But 
but you have a treasure. You you have a you have a great treasure. And 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 the, isn't the treasure this? Isn't the treasure that we are treasured? Isn't isn't the treasure that that we are loved so greatly, so deeply yeah. that that nothing can separate us? The end of the end of Romans chapter eight. That nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ our Lord. So so for the the early church yeah. to hear these words, and and as you said. Um, idolatry, adultery, and and how easy it is, though, to put our confidence in the things that we can grab and the things that we can hold on, the things that we can count, enumerate, and and whether it's in a whether it's in some bank account or or hoarded as as it might be, uh, it's going to be it's going to be gone. But the great treasure of the gospel, the treasure that is ours in Christ, the treasure that that we are treasured. So yes, so here the kings uh, lament, uh, the merchants lament. They weep and they mourn, and then uh, we have we have the the third one. This comes in verses. Uh, well, the the merchants the merchants their cry is actually in verses sixteen and seventeen, and then at the end of seventeen, and all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea, they too. They see the city burning. They they cry out, "What city was like this great city? What city uh, could be as as megale that uh, that mega word that that sneaks in to, to our English language? It's it's in the Greek all over the place here. This this great city. This is this is the only one that that shows this uh, this sometimes pious action." that is a figure of the ancient world. It's not what we would generally do, but they throw dust on their heads as they, as they mourn. I find it a little bit odd that it's the seafarers, the ones who are around water, who throw, who throw dust. And, and maybe right. that's even part of the, uh, just grabs our attention a, a little differently. And, and we, ha we hear this refrain here too, in a single hour, it goes back to verse 10, where the kings say, for in a single hour, your judgment, your judgment has come. In verse 17, the merchants say, for in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. And very similar here at the end of verse 19, for in a single hour, she has been laid waste. Babylon herself has been laid waste. So it, it happens, it happens so quickly that, that it couldn't be avoided. They certainly couldn't stop it, nor could Babylon, nor could, nor, nor could the empire. The Roman Empire will fall. I mean, it's not that many centuries later, and uh, it, it has to. It has to. Uh, kings will rise and fall, but but the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will will be will rule and reign forever. So here is where we we get. In verse 20, if we move along a little bit here, rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. So there, there may be when, when this uh, revelation was first given and written and shared within the church that, that they needed to hear not just a description, it needed to be uh, one that involved them that and that said now you can you can cry out with with greater 
with greater hope because of what because of what is done because of what is done for you it is it is a call to celebrate uh, it's it's uh, a call to heaven itself to to be united with the saints on earth the faithful saints on earth to break out in celebration and then as it were to uh, to give a greater point of emphasis after this after this call to worship is the mighty angel again is it the same angel that was in the beginning of the chapter those other angels at different times in revelation but here uh, doing what what the prophets in the old testament did at various times they enacted a prophecy they they carried out an action and that's that was the word of the lord is not just what comes out of the mouth but the but the action that is done and it is to pick up a a stone uh, one translation that i like calls it a boulder i mean it's trying to describe it it's like a great millstone a grinding stone not the not the one that the the woman would have out in her courtyard or that the slaves would use but the one that needed animals that needed animals to turn it and and it's so large and and it's thrown down and threw it into the sea it is it is finished it is it is done it is um, it is the finality uh, this is a, a a mighty angel a strong angel that does this and and can toss it can toss it into the sea i i, I don't want to I don't want to make too big of a leap, but but I think this is just sometimes maybe it's the way pastors think. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way this pastor thinks. But but you, you think of you think of stones and you think of how those are a part of of the the biblical narrative and 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 the two things that that especially come to mind right now are are Jesus uh, saying to his disciples during Holy Week, ah, these stones. You think these are great great stones as you look at the temple the foundation uh, the, the of the temple mount that that Herod the great had done nope these stones they'll be gone yeah. they'll they'll won't one of them won't be standing yeah. upon another and he speaks about himself though right he gets accused he's going to tear down the temple and all well there's another stone that 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 will be tossed aside as useless and it's the it's a stone, and it wasn't a it wasn't a little chunk of rock. It was a a stone that that held the grave closed so that it couldn't be tampered with. But but it's it's tossed aside too. It's as useless when our Lord when our Lord is raised in victory. So the mighty angel tossed now, the stone as, into the sea. Go ahead. Sorry, Pastor Apple. I'm doing all the talking here. Let's have a little more conversation. No, I was just. <laughs> That's all right. I was just gonna. I was just gonna lead you into that next part because the angel does take that great millstone, throws it into the sea, and then begins to speak once more in this chapter. And you start to get a bit of a refrain as to what it's going to be like there in Babylon. In the ESV, it's translated that various things will be there no more. Talk to us about this refrain that just sounds more and more ominous every time we hear. Well, it it is. It's it's ominous because a place of of noise, of commerce, of uh, even even a, a beauty. A beauty is is not something that only the the church would possess. I mean, the world the world knows beauty. We hope, but but from music to to singing, 
to everything. It is, it is no more. Now, the New American Standard Bible uh, uses, uses the phrase, instead of uh, no more, it says, we'll never be found again. And it, and it echoes that, or we'll never be heard again. Uh, a lamp will never shine again. Uh, the voice of the bride and groom will never be heard in you again. So I like that. It suggests that it's not simply it's, it stops and, and it, it's, it's quiet, but it's not, ever going to, it's not ever going to come back. That's the finality of, of, of the judgment on, on Babylon, on, on all that would all that would oppose Christ's church. And, and it uses interesting language from uh, harpists and musicians, flute players, trumpeters, no more, never, never again. The craftsmen, uh, probably, I think going back to that list that we heard before, those who would work especially, it would seem to me, with, with jewels and with, and with gold and fine metals, but there were nice woods mentioned there too. I know someone who loves working with wood. I, I hope your dad still does because yeah. he's he, quite the quite the craftsman there too. But but all that all that would uh, be uh, focused or self-absorbed. This is again these are our treasures. We we make these things to be of of value. The sound of the mill. No more no more grinding of of wheat to create flour. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more you're going to hear and, and we're going to read together and listen together a little bit more, a few more chapters and, and uh, wonderful words that are coming at the end of the book of Revelation uh, about light and about the one who, who, is, uh, who is ultimate, ultimate light. The voice of a bridegroom, a bride, uh, the celebration, uh, the joy, the joy of, of that, that gift that gift of marriage, but but it is it is set aside for for Babylon because Babylon falls. But we see we see gospel in here because we know we know that there is a bridegroom and there is his bride, his precious bride, the one for which he lays down, for which he lays down his life. That that's wedding, the wedding feast of the Lamb that will that will never, never end. So all of those once more that are in opposition, um, all of these are, are no more. They never again, never again, never again. And the, the final word is, is, is one of seriousness and of soberness, isn't it? Uh, in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on earth. Uh, the faithful church uh, was, was suffering uh, the, the faithful church still suffers. We, we have, I think, here in the United States, have, have uh, we tried to learn and know and, and pray for those who struggle around the world. Uh, I'm not sure that, that most of us even have, have an inkling of what it would mean to be a Christian in a country where, where it, is, it is dangerous to be, uh, to be gathering for a Sunday morning or, or, to, or to listen to a radio broadcast uh, of a Bible study, uh, this yeah. could this could get you this could get you thrown into prison, uh, but the church still faithful unto death to receive the crown of life. Yeah, 
So Pastor Bars, we've got about two minutes here on the morning. Lots of things in this chapter. A message of judgment against Babylon, who is fallen. As we said at the outset, Revelation means the lamb wins, you win with him. It also means the enemies of God lose, and that brings joy, as we heard in this chapter. Thinking through this chapter, what's the warning for us? What's the encouragement? Help us to wrap things up on Revelation chapter 18 today. The warning for us is that is that it is possible it is possible in any age uh, to be to be seduced by what there is uh, that the world would offer, and 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 within the church uh, to to not see to not see the distinction to 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 maybe get closer and closer to uh, to the world's values. Um, uh, we've had a discussion. I've had this discussion with other pastors. I've had this discussion here at, at Crown of Life over the years. People say, well, what would happen if the church would say it's illegal to be a Christian in the United, or the country, our country would say to the church, it's illegal to be a Christian in the United States. And if you want to keep your church going, you lose all your tax privileges. And in fact, we're even going to charge you, we're even going to charge you to have a church. What would we do? We would, we would start paying our taxes and we would, we would, be we would stay we wouldn't we wouldn't even we, we would have been even worth protesting we would say we will still be the church the church will always be the church and and the book of revelation tells us that the church can be faithful because christ is faithful to his church he will he will not leave those for whom he has given his his very life and and uh, won our won our redemption and our salvation will Will we experience what what the Book of Revelation describes? Will it happen in our age? I have grandchildren, and one of the one of the uh, things that that I wonder about with my grandchildren: what will they face? Uh, but but the God who has redeemed them, who who calls them out, who is who is the one who leads them, uh, is the one who is going to be faithful. And he was he was for the first century Christians. He has been for twenty. 20 plus centuries, he will be faithful for us as well. Pastor Mark Bars is pastor at Crown of Life Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas. He has been helping us today to study Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 to 24. Pastor Bars, thanks for being our guest today. It's great to be with you, Pastor Apple. God's blessings to you and to all of our listeners. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about Revelation 18, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It's always a joy to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.